Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for 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 Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. 8.02 on a Friday. I love the 8 o'clock hour on a Friday. For a multitude of reasons. One, it's Rick Dollywall time. Love Rick Dollywall. Two, we're getting that much closer to the end of the week. And three, this always sets up as a delicious appetizer for the final half hour of the week, which is Ask Us Anythings and What We Learns. By the way, uh, we are giving away a pair of tickets to see Kiss on Wednesday. Last time we're doing it this week. If you want to go, two tickets to see Kiss on Wednesday, November 8th at Rogers Arena. Uh, you still got a chance. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Send in a what we learned or an ask us anything. Hashtag WWL or AUA. Put a music note emoji into the text and make it a good one. You could win a pair of tickets to see Kiss on Wednesday. That's right. Kiss. Uh, it is hour three of the program. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintec.net. To the phone lines we go. From the Donnie and Dolly show on Check TV, it is now. Time for Rick Dollywall here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Rick? How are you? I uh, couldn't be happy, uh, better. It's Friday. You nailed it, uh, Halford. It's Friday, but I'm disappointed in you guys. Oh. I get in my car yesterday at 6.30 and uh, turn on the radio. No Halford and Bruff. Yeah, we had technical difficulties. Um, sometimes we just block out your specific radio, but in that case, I, uh, it wasn't the case. I was waiting for Green Day, time of your life. No, we couldn't even get that out there. I think the part the <laughs> <laughs> We were trying Another our best. station blown to smithereens. Yeah, I think the technical difficulty was that it was raining outside. Mm-hmm, that yeah. ended up being the problem. So once we get that solved. We weren't able to predict the rain. So. We'll yeah. be back. We're going to build a dome. Listen, uh, you guys are, hold it a second. You're okay. a big part of my commute. So yesterday, I didn't know what to do. You know what I did? I went to 92.9 KISM Bellingham, best wow. rock station. You know, I got my ACDC, Stones, Bon Jovi, ZZ Top, John Cougar, uh, Springsteen. I didn't miss you guys that much. But get, uh, you're back on the rails today. That's good. Thanks for promoting another radio station while you're doing a radio hit. It's not the Lower Mainland, so it's, uh, you know, it, hey, Kiss, uh, the KISM was big oh, in the boy. 80s. Uh, I've been a huge fan ever since. Okay. Uh, so I was going to ask you a question about the Canucks, but now I feel like I have no steam left, but I'm still going to ask it. Uh, the Canucks, after 10 games, Rick, get a load of this. 7-2-1 with a plus 24 goal differential. I know we all expected some semblance of improvement from the Canucks this season, but on a scale of 1-10, to 10, how surprised are you by this start? Big time. 
Holford nailed it this morning when he said nobody would have predicted the Canucks uh, would be 7-2-1 at the 10-game mark. And if you did predict this, you're, you're, you're lying. That's exactly what Holford said this morning, and he's correct. Remember the sky was falling after their preseason loss to the Flames, 10 nothing. They couldn't score in the preseason. It was an issue. But what a 10-game stretch. So much to like the offense, the goals against, the goal differential. The core of Patterson, Hughes, Demko, and Besser, to me, the core is always your drafted guys, right? Mm-hmm. These guys have been unreal. They're not kids anymore. You know, Demko's 27, Besser's 26, Patterson and Hughes 24. What you're seeing is the maturity and the growth of these four players. You can't discount Miller. Like, since the day he got here, he's done nothing but produce. They've got difference makers at all the important positions. Uh, and uh, you know what? And, and, and Donnie was on this yesterday, too, the coaching. I can't say enough about Tockett right now, guys. He's a teacher. 24-7, he's thinking of ways to make this team better. It won't let them get complacent. He's taken years of bad habits out of a lot of the players who have been here long-term, makes them accountable. So I, I talked to a pro scout uh, last night about the Canucks because I always like talking to people in hockey not from Vancouver to get a read on the Canucks. This is what he had to say. They are way better positionally than last year at both ends of the, of the rink. They work together as five-man units. Their skilled players are tops in the leagues. There's not many better than Pedersen right now. Hughes is better than I thought he would ever be from his draft year. His skating and the way he gets away from defenders, second to none. Demko's a top-five goalie. If they play like this all year, they're going to make noise. But they have to stay healthy and stay away from losing streaks. It's a long season. But guys... The hockey world's impressed. Mm-hmm. It's only 10 games. It's a long season, I know, but this is a dream start for a team that's missed the playoffs in seven of the last years. Enjoy it. So the other thing we were discussing this morning is how if you're Patrick Alvin, you're not in a desperate situation to make yeah. a trade. Like It's all like, if I want to do that, I can do that. Because imagine if the Canucks had gotten off to a bad start. And everyone's focusing on the defense. Maybe Connor Garland is just like waste of cap space out there. Then they're like, you better do something. You like, you got to fix this thing right now. Even if Alvin and Rutherford want to clear cap space right now, there's no need for them to throw any sweeteners in any, in any of the deals. And they can just afford to be like, all right, well, we'll just wait on it because we're, we're going pretty well right now. What are you hearing about the Canucks? Um, activities in trying to make a trade last two or three last two three years they've been chasing after october they get into november and they're chasing they're not chasing anymore you make a really good point they're in a better position this november this has been the best heading into november in the last two three four years so what i was told on tuesday morning is the canucks were one of the more aggressive teams out there trying to make moves they're trying to add they believe in this team they like what they are seeing so why not try and get ahead of the trades but here's the problem the canucks have you know they don't have much cap space trades are tough to make right now you're not seeing a ton of them in the nhl right now for a reason they've been looking for a defenseman for a long time but the trades right now are tough i'm all for adding guys but they are not strong enough organizationally with depth to give away top prospects not yet lakara mackey's off to a fabulous start the Buscavage kid is leading the OHL as a defenseman, for crying out loud, 26 points in 14 games. Our Steve Baines leads the American League in scoring. The prospect pool is finally starting to get better after years and years of trading first and second round picks. Hang on to those prospects. Don't cough them up. And the evidence that they don't want to add a sweetener, broth is in the Connor Garland situation. He's still not moved. Mm-hmm. 
He's still not moving. You know why he's not moved? Because they're not putting a sweetener in. They're not adding a high draft pick. They're not adding a top prospect, and they're not retaining a ton of money. They clearly don't want to retain a large amount of money, and that's why Garland is still not traded. If the Canucks couldn't move Garland for over a year, a year and a half, what's an agent going to do? The, the agent can't broker a deal until the team is willing to cough up a high draft pick, a good prospect, or at least 35 to 40% money retention, and the Canucks are not willing to do that. That's why Garland sits and waits, because they're not willing to get away with Smith. And it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's the right move. Did you hear Pedersen after the last home game when he was talking with Kate Pedersen in the post-game yeah. interview, and he said, it's fun to play here now. Did you oh. think, did you, did you, did, he didn't say it quite like that. He's like, it's fun to play here now, which yeah, it means. Resonated. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. It, and I'm going to tell you something else right now. The greatest thing about this start is, capital letters, if, if this continues to the end of the season, the decision for Patterson to resign will be much easier. He wants to wait. He told everybody he wants to wait. That's his call. He's earned that right. But if Patterson gets over 100 points again, He's clearly on his way, guys. He's What is he, one point yeah. behind Jack Hughes, right? The good news for him and his agents, J.P. Barry Paperson, by waiting and collecting another 100 points, he's going to put himself obviously in a very good position for a new contract. But I think the greatest thing about October is that Patterson has to be thinking, hey, hold on, do we turn the corner? Okay. But one of the uh, scenarios, one of the uh, reasons – he didn't sign in the summer is because he wasn't really sold on should it be a long-term or should it be a short-term. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something he's going to have to sit down with and decide with himself. But this start, and if it continues, bodes well for Mr. Patterson uh, re-signing in Vancouver, if it continues. Uh, Brock Besser has eight goals already in 10 oh. games. Of course, he scored four in his first game, uh, which helps his total. But he's got... He's got purpose to his game now. And I think last year, you know, like you just watched him sometimes and he just didn't seem engaged in the game. And maybe that was off-ice stuff. Maybe that was frustration with on-ice stuff. But um, I guess it's a pretty good decision that, or maybe the Canucks just weren't able to trade Brock Besser, but it's looking pretty good that they kept him. You know, the decision... uh uh, to do, do you know we're almost at the one year anniversary uh, anniversary sorry of Besser and his agent getting involved for a trade? I think it was in November last year, uh, if I'm not uh, if I'm correct. We are almost at the one year anniversary of his agent Ben Hankinson last year getting uh, just like Garland's agent and Rathbone's agent getting permission to seek a trade. I can't think of a player in this market that's gone through as much as Brock has and to see him do as well. He's just a really good kid, good person off the ice. Um, I can't think of another guy Canuck fans can cheer for more than Brock Besser. Every time he scores, you see the smile on his face. Um, I can't think of another person that you want to cheer for more than Brock Besser after everything. Just think about it, guys. It was a year ago. He basically wanted out. He was on a third line last year with Dries as a centerman. You remember the cancer fights night? Uh, cancer for uh, fight, fights night was, and he it was on a Saturday, and he got healthy, scratched. All that stuff happened in November last year, and to think where he is now. But again, I got to go back to talk it. And when he told all these guys in their exit meetings, 
you got to change the way you play. He's got Brock Besser forechecking. He's got Brock Besser playing better along the boards. He's got Brock Besser in better shape. New, he got a new trainer. All this. I go back to Talkett is 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 shifting the culture and he's shifting it with the top players, and that is massive. Isn't it isn't it fun to like look forward to the games coming up yeah. as opposed to going like how many of these are left? Saturday you got the Dallas Stars coming in. Monday, it's the Edmonton Oilers coming in, and then they go back east to play Ottawa, Toronto, and Montreal. And then when they come home, Bo Horvat and the New York Islanders are in town. So, like, every game has a hook to it right now, and it is just encouraging to see. <laughs> Listen, we we get uh, Taylor ripping uh, ripping me in the background. Listen, we get ripped in the media for being negative. I wish some of these fans that call us negative would come sit in our shoes. It's been twelve years of bleep hockey, you know. And you guys get it, we get it. You think we don't want to cover a winning team? Of course we do. Of Bad teams do. are awful for business. Well, they're awful. awful for business. Awful for business. All, and people don't realize the ones that call us negative. Like the, the, the Taylor's taking his positivity pills. Where he was raving about Alvin yesterday. You know, uh, so we we would like to cover a team that goes deep in the playoffs. You know, 2011, was anybody complaining about the Vancouver media? No. You know, they were win- winning president's trophies at that time. Sedins were atop the scoring uh, list. Everybody was happy in town, including the media, the fans, everybody. It, 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 you're right. Bruff, it's good for business when they win. It makes it makes our shows better, and 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 that's what we're looking forward to. Is I'm looking forward to the Dallas game, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something else. This weekend, I'm looking forward to the Whitecaps and Lions too. Yeah. It, it's you know, and I, I I I just I'm happy for this city. The Lions, Whitecaps, and and the Canucks have been crap for about ten years, and this weekend, all three of their games are going to be must watch. TV, all three of them, mm-hmm. and the lines in the white caps opening up uh, the, the upper deck is going to be unbelievable. It's it's going to be. A, I think the lines are trending towards thirty thousand. Halford, I don't know if you got a white caps uh, ticket update, but I uh, uh, we had who do we have on yesterday? Oh, Farhan. He said close to thirty, if not thirty, a little bit over thirty. They're going to hit over. And, uh, you know, I don't know, Halford, if you got a Whitecaps update on their tickets, but these are going to be some pretty big crowds. Well, they, they announced two days ago that they are going to open the Upper Bowl. I think they're still working on the finalized pricing for those tickets. I, I did. Is it of, on TV, regular TV, uh, normal TV, or is it Apple? It's an Apple game, if I'm okay. not mistaken. I'll have to yeah. double-check on that one. But um, the I think the objective is to try and get... 30,000, much like you would see the day prior, because that's what the Lions are ultimately going to end up hitting here. And I think the pricing might come into play here because I think they might try and do like a family-friendly style pricing. I mean, the idea would be back-to-back games, back-to-back days at BC Place, get 30-plus in the building. That would be a great weekend for Vancouver sports. And the, the Whitecaps, I, I'm sorry, but they got to get rid of this Apple stuff. I, I, you know, they need to be on TSN or Sportsnet, and it's, it's, it. I think it's a, it's, I, I think it hurts the franchise. Like I did not watch their uh, uh, game in LA last week because I, I, I don't want to hook it up. I don't want to uh, go through the. I want to turn on my TV and turn the game on. I don't know why they don't understand that. Like I don't know, I, I don't understand. But I think it might be on made. TSN, but like I have to double check that. And I think the point is like the fact that we have to double check to see which game like which like tv station the game is on you know that's not great yeah 
No, the Lions are on TV. The Canucks are on TV. Everyone's. I mean, we grew up in an era where we only had, uh, back in the BC TV days, only a game of the week for the Canucks, for Mm -hmm. crying out loud. And now every game should be on television. It should be. And and how much we pay for TSN and Sportsnet per month, uh, you know what? We deserve the the Whitecaps games to be on, especially the playoff games. And I I think it just hurts the franchise. Uh, Taylor and I bought our tickets prop for the Lions game. So we'll be in the stands with the blue-collar fans, not in the suite this time. Oh, wow. So, uh, You're mixing yeah, with the blue-collar. Uh, okay. No, right. blue, hey, that's where the blue-collar fans, the, 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 we're not in a suite. We're not, uh, although he should be in a suite after the Hall of Fame stuff. But we're going to be in the stands uh, for the Lions game. And I still say if they don't blow that Winnipeg game, which they did, uh, they, 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 if they would have hosted the Western oh, Final, man. I'm, I'm still, telling you, still they would have over 40,000 in there. Yeah. They blew it. They blew that Winnipeg game, and they're paying the price. Rick, enjoy the games this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun, television or no. Yeah. Anyways, Taylor's yelling at me. i got to go talk to you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Rick Dollywall, Canucks reporter from the Donnie and Dolly Show on Czech TV here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's always a roller coaster. with That's his nickname, Roller Coaster Rick. It's always a roller coaster with Dollywall on a Friday. So uh, I want to play some audio because if you're looking at the uh, NHL teams in Canada right now, you go to Edmonton, they're struggling. They lost to Dallas last night. People thought, oh, maybe that big win outdoors at the Heritage Classic is going to get the Edmonton Oilers rolling. Nope, they lost their next game. Calgary, who lost that game in the Heritage Classic, look awful. They're one of the worst teams in the NHL right now. Winnipeg, so-so. So-so start to the season. Uh, Ottawa, they got problems. <laughs> Organizationally. And on the ice, they've been, what, 500 around there? They lost to L.A. last night at home. Montreal, um, they're rebuilding. Not not huge expectations for Montreal this season. They're in a good year, but they are rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, have, they had a good start, I think, last season, too. And then reality um, showed up for the Montreal Canadiens. And then the Toronto Maple Leafs. They got issues right now. I know their record is still okay. Uh, it's not as good as the Canucks, but it's still okay. But there's a lot of people looking at that team and going, man, you got to re-sign Nylander and he's your best player right now. But at the same time, you need help on defense. Some of the new guys like Bertuzzi and Domi haven't been very good. Ryan Reeves has been, I don't know, pointless. Just like not even like getting points. Like there's no point to him right, right now. He's literally pointless. So that leaves... Uh, at least the Vancouver Canucks. And here's what Elliot Freeman had to say about those guys. This segment is called the Vancouver Canucks, Canada's best team. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Look, I, I, they, they pouted San Jose on, on Thursday night. I, I'm thinking about this right now. It, it's not Calgary. It's not Edmonton right now who lost again. It's not Winnipeg. Uh, it's not Toronto, it's not Ottawa, it's not Montreal. And not only are do they look like Canada's best team right now, but they're the only team where their best players are carrying them every night. You could say there's a little bit of that going around in Toronto because if Matthews and Marner don't score, they don't score. But when you look at the record they have and the way and the way they're winning games, at every position, their best players are their best players every night. So I now proclaim them the Vancouver Canucks, Canada's best team. So I do remember when this happened before, and it was during the bubble. 
Okay. When uh, the Canucks were the last Canadian team standing, because that was the year that uh, Winnipeg went out to Calgary and then Calgary went out to Dallas. Yep. Edmonton went out to Chicago. Yeah. Remember that? And Toronto went out to Columbus. In the qualifying round. That was the quintuple overtime game, if I'm not mistaken, that series. That was like a terrible loss for the Leafs. So people were talking about the ascendant Canucks at that point, and that's because they had guys like, you know, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat was playing really well. He was still with the team. Um, JT Miller's first year with the Canucks, was it? Right. So people were talking about, you know, you always have this debate, who is the most likely Canadian team to break the Stanley Cup drought? And for just a just a short time in that crazy pandemic era, <laughs> the Canucks, people were high on the Canucks. They were a team and then, on the grow. And then we all know what happened after that. Things did not go well. Things kind of went to hell. Mm-hmm. But right now, people are looking at this team and going, and I think that's the key part. What what Fridge is talking about, like their best players are their are are playing like their best players. There isn't anyone that's like, wow, this guy isn't really doing all that much, right? If you think about who their best players are supposed to be, Hughes, Pedersen, Miller, those would be the, th- the first three in terms of skaters. Are they playing well? Yeah, they're playing unbelievable. Thatcher Demko, and then their secondary players as well, right? Like a Brock Besser or Mikheyev, or Horonic. like Those guys are playing really well. In addition to that, even Kuzmenko, who I thought struggled a bit to start the season, his game is rounding into form. And I think what was good last night is that the players like Pew Suter and Anthony Bovillier, like they got in on the fun too, mm-hmm. right? And I well, know Bovillier it was a blowout. Got off the schneid too. Yeah, mean. well, Suter did too. Yeah. That was his first goal, and he made a really good defensive play to kick off that rush where he did score. So right now, man, like everything is going so well for the Canucks that you start thinking like, okay, well, how are they going to deal with adversity? Because adversity is going to come, right? They, they have, they've had, let's all admit, let's all just admit right now, they've had a few good bounces. They've had things go their way. They haven't any any serious injuries to deal with. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, Mikheyev, they missed Mikheyev at the beginning of the season, but he's come back now. So they will go through adversity, and they will be tested, and I want to see them tested. They already passed the first test of adversity, and that was the Philly game. Right? They played awful. And we were all sitting there going, like, oh, my God, that those, those Edmonton games were just a mirage. The Canucks are back, right? And then they actually lost their next game, dropped them to 2-2, two and two, although they played better. But after that Philly game, there's been this improvement from the team and there's been this belief. Now, things are going to challenge that belief. There will be things that go wrong. And I'm going to be really curious to see how they deal with that because that is the sign of a mature team. And we've seen over the last few years when things have gone wrong for this group, they've kind of gone into a like, oh, things are never going to get better. Like, when is the season over? I mean, the fan base has acted like that too. So will we see a resilient team? Um, but I think the word would be mature, where you just like, you accept, yeah, things are going to go wrong. It's a long season. It's life. How are we going to deal with it? Uh, it is what we learn time coming up, but I've got the perfect what we learn as an exclamation point on what you just said. Mike 
in Burnaby. Hashtag WWO what we learned. Mike has learned that he's still scared, but he thinks he's ready to be hurt again. That's the best part of all of this, isn't it? I got a really when exciting what we learned as well. I'm just going to tease. Ooh. It's incredibly hot audio, and uh, you'll be amazed by it. Okay, we got a big final half hour to come. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford Press Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Kelowna, California. West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah. Kelowna, baby. Best place in the world right here. <laughs> Kelowna, California. Kelowna, California. Kelowna, on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Okay, before we get to the humanoid, what we learns, uh, we, Halford, Bruff, and the dogs, have three what we learns to pass your way. I have one. Laddie has one. A dog has one. I'm going to go last. So that means Greg, Greg Ballack, better known as Whoa. Laddie. You're going to start what we learned. Today. All right. Well, mine is. Uh... It's actually kind of a sad story, but it uh, had a piece of audio that I want to attach to it as well. What okay. we learned, uh, there is a homeless in- shelter in Australia under fire. Uh, the city of Bunbury is under fire because they have been playing a Wiggles song on a loop on its speakers at a homeless shelter to drive them out at the end of the day when it closes. And the band, the Wiggles, had to release a statement They said their music is created to bring joy and happiness to children and families around the world. They're disappointed to hear it's being used in another form. Are you guys uh, familiar with the Wiggles? I I have a two-year-old, so I'm very... Everyone that has They should play Blippi. Yeah. Yeah. Is familiar with the Wiggles. This is cruel. (laughs) The song they're using is Hot Potato, which if you don't know is... Hot Potato, Hot Potato... And it goes on like that. So I I am totally on board with what the Wiggles are doing here. Just putting out the statement because that is, that's awful. No one wants to hear that on a loop. And I'm seeking out someone that hears it on a loop. While an effects of strategy and also incredibly cruel, I feel like the Wiggles probably were smart to get out in front of this one. As opposed to being like, oh, we're on board. We love that our music is used. We probably heard about it. I like it when politicians use uh, people's music and then the musicians are like, I hate you. Please stop (laughs) doing that. Stop doing that. Now you can add the Wiggles to the list. Yeah. All right. Give us a moo on that. A dog? Yeah. This is hot audio from San Jose. Uh, They just announced that after the 10-1 loss, you know how they play the the Jaws theme whenever they go to the power play? Yep. Okay. Well, they've updated their music now to reflect last night's game. This is their new power play music. Did you see that poor kid with the yeah. My yeah. First Sharks game? Yeah, the super villain origin story. That was my tweet. He's the, the kid is going to become the Joker. <laughs> Play it again. Oh, follow He's going to be on a The best part's at the end. <laughs> that kid is going to be in teal face paint. On an empty subway car playing the recorder. I actually got a touch of sadness watching the Shark Tank yesterday because it was so empty and it was so dead. It was insane. And, and the players out there were just like, 
not up to the standard of some of the teams that the Canucks battled with pretty hard. And uh, you know, like they had Hall of Famers out there, Joe Thornton. Yeah. I was thinking about like the power play that they used to have with like Dan Boyle would be out there and Marlowe and like they had just some really good teams and it was a really good atmosphere there. You know, you and I have said it's the loudest building we've ever been in. When it was, when it it was popping. When it was like, it was so loud and it was such good energy and they really did a good job of like game presentation there. And one of our fondest memories was going down there during the Western Conference Finals and watching the Canucks play the Sharks. And it was like it was a it was a good hockey town. And I wonder, I actually wonder what wonder what happens to the fan base there. Like, are there a lot of fans that were into the Sharks for a while and then they just step away? And then 15 years later, they were like, "Did you know I used to be a hockey fan?" So, like that would never happen in Canada. You wouldn't be like, "I used to be a hockey fan." Well, maybe it happened a few times, but I imagine it might happen. Like, yeah, I was, in, I was, it was crazy. I was like really into the sharks for a while. Oh, really? That's crazy. I'm like, I know it was weird. You know, like I'm that not, might happen. I'm not sure you can be this bad in a tank slash rebuild. I know you can be bad, but they got the stink lines on them and everything. They are horrific. Oh, I drew the stink lines on me. I know that last night was probably an aberration, and they won't play that badly and lose that badly with regularity. But hey. We are talking about a team that has lost 10 games to start the year, and the 10th one was yeah. the worst one. See, the problem with tanking is that you're going to lose all your second season ticket holders, or a lot of them, and then it's not like they all come back as soon as the team shows some sign of life. Some of them just are, they got a foul taste in their mouth. Like, if you were there look at, last look night. At, look at Buffalo. Look right? at that poor kid last night. No, I'd say it's almost, at, it's almost better to attract new fans than just to get those fans back. I feel like it would be easier to, to do that approach rather than trying to maybe, get people like, sour like on you your have product. to You have to have years and years of winning before you build that season ticket base. It doesn't all come back at once. Look at Buffalo, right? Like, I know the Sabres still aren't winning, but their crowds are terrible. Yep. And it's going to take a while before... You know, you just think of like the, what you need to build up before you get the stories like we our season ticket list has a has a waiting list of of ten thousand people or whatever. That goes away real quick when the team goes bad, and it takes a while to build up, especially in more non traditional hockey markets where the San Jose Sharks. Let's face it, in that in the Bay Area, they are well down the hierarchy of sports that matter. Mucow. And finally, the first NBA mention and the lone NBA mention on the Halford and Bruff show on a Friday. And we kind of buried this one because we were all talking about this on the show chat, the text thread that we have. Um, Wemby went off last night. Victor Wembanyama had a career high and season high, 38 points. (laughs) Career high. (laughs) 38 points in like a sixth game. Um, (laughs) And it was against his hero, Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns yesterday, 132 to 121. It looked for a long time in this game that it wasn't just going to be a Wemby coronation game. It was going to be a blowout. I like the, the Spurs pick- were kicking the living daylights out of the Suns. They were up by 27 at one point. Suns rallied, made it close, and then Wemby took over again. The seven foot four Frenchman, <laughs> and that seven foot four thing is important. We'll get to it in a second. Went 15 of 26 from the field. He had 10 rebounds. He led the Spurs in points, rebounds, blocks, three-pointers made, and plus-minus. He is the first teenager in NBA history to lead his team in all five categories in the same game. 
I don't want to say he arrived because the arrival was a while ago. That was his first whoa, whoa, this guy's going to be on real moment. 38 and 10. I like how he's got a duck when he goes in for a dunk. Like he's got he's yeah, going to hit the rim. He's like, oh, God. There. Yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there was a picture of him standing next to Kevin Durant. And obviously they're like similar types of stature. Frames. But yeah, yeah, but he just looked like that much more superior. It was like it was like uh, Kevin Durant was like an old Lamborghini, ah. <laughs> and Wemby was like, and you're kind of like, yeah, that old Lamborghini is pretty cool, but look at this new one; it's way better than the old one. It does so much neat things with the new one. <laughs> you watch somebody guarding Wemby though, and it's like, why, why is such a, why do they have such a small guy guarding him? Oh, <laughs> he's six foot. There is no one that tall that can guard this guy. So there was one. How play- are you going to defend him? How are they going to defend it? Like, well, they're going to start getting physical, very physical. Right? Well, who is it on? Wasn't it Shay? Uh, the, the, the- Shay Gilgis Alexander? No. Yeah. No, no the, Shea Serrano. Thank you. Oh, yeah, okay. he suggested they get a really, really short guy to run crazy eights around his legs, <laughs> and then he just watches this guy run around him. He gets right. dizzy and falls. What about over. three players in one uniform? Can they stack? Yeah, there yeah. There's all yeah. these great ideas. They just have to try them all. So mm-hmm. yesterday, they're probably going to leave some guys open if they got three players stacked on each other. Let me know. Won't be. Yeah, let me. Our trench coat uh, strategy hasn't worked. <laughs> You guys trying to sneak into a movie as well? Okay, no. Um, the one play last night that Shea Serrano put out on Twitter was where Wemby, and this is the best part about him, is he's everyone talks about how he's such a fluid athlete and he's got such dexterity and he's so coordinated and he can shoot threes and he can pass, but he also is very cognizant that he's taller than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you just want to use that to your advantage. You want to play big kid. Like when you're, you know, when you're, when you're 10 years old yeah. and you're bigger than everyone, and you're, you're like playing your little brother. You know where I'm going to go? Right to the front of the hoop. <laughs> and then you look at your little brother and you're like, try and stop me. So there was one play where he kicked it out to a guy at the top of the uh, three point arc and then ran towards the front of the hoop and just put his hand up as if to say, you can shoot an air ball. You yeah. can throw it in my vicinity. Just throw it in the general area here. It I doesn't got matter it. how you do it. I'm going to catch the ball and score. And then he did it. Mm-hmm. And the guy was hopeless to defend him. There was no chance. Yeah. So it's going to be so much fun to watch this guy play because he's still in that. I'm not sure these are real highlights or AI ones. But the, What's the most impressive say, thing? For me, it's his shooting. His shooting is crazy. Yeah. His shooting is very, very accurate. And you can't do anything. You yeah. can't block it. There's no way you can block his shot. Between his height and his wingspan, his shot takes off from about nine and a half feet in the air. Would like you agree can't. with me that when Durant, when Kevin Durant was on, he was the most unstoppable player? Because he could pull up over everybody. Yeah. He couldn't block his shot. Exactly. It was physically impossible. Wimby's taller than him mm-hmm. and maybe more talented. And then when he gets around the hoop, he can do like the stretch dunks on you. Mm-hmm. Most guys have to jump and dunk on well, you. Well, defensively too. Yeah. We're calling it the space jam dunk. Yeah, his arm just extends. The go-go gadget arms. Also, just to close this, what we learned, uh, I learned that the NBA's in-season tournament tips off tonight. The in-season tournament, guys. Battle for the NBA Cup. So we had to look tonight. this up at the break. This is the Halford and Bruff show in a nutshell. I'm like, oh, the NBA in tournament season begins tonight. And then we try and learn everything we can. So in season tournament. What did I say? In tournament season. Yeah, close enough. Uh, <laughs> e card reads good. Laddie asked, what's the name of the trophy? I was like, I don't even know if there is one. I know there's a half a million dollar grand prize for the team that wins it. So they do is have. Is that it? Half a million bucks? I thought it'd be more. I thought yeah. every guy would get a million dollars in a gold scepter or something. You right. got to make it cool. Half chalice bucks. of some kind. That's like nothing. The in-season out of the bar. The I know. <laughs> the in-season tournament trophy is called 
the NBA Cup. Oh. And we joke, that's like what your mom or dad that doesn't know anything about basketball asks if there's – is the NBA playoffs on – are they playing for the NBA Cup? It took them six <laughs> months to come up with that name and six and a half million dollars worth of marketing research. Yeah, there. I like imagine, we won yeah. the NBA Cup. Did you win the league? No. They <laughs> hired a firm. You idiot. Yeah. What, what does this cup give you? <laughs> I don't know. It looks cool. Uh, anyway, Mukel, all that. Uh, okay, dot matrix. Time for Humanoid, what we learns here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Humanoid, what we learns are brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protects what, protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Uh, what we learned, Dolly Wall has been in the business 26 years but didn't learn to not promote other radio stations while on the radio. Yeah, that was a hell of a thing. Uh, other radio stations and other uh, broadcast networks, apparently, too. Mm-hmm. So Rick really, he ticked all the boxes of what not to do on a radio hit today. <laughs> Stu and Yarrow. What we learned, the hardest working San Jose Shark this season might have to be the Sharks' mascot. Going to be a tough gig trying to keep those fans, the very few of them, engaged during the games all season. I actually caught a shot of the Sharks' mascot, and I think his name is Sharky or something like that. It is Sharky. Sharky. Anyway, it's a shark, and the Canucks were up like 7 nothing, and he's like dancing in the stands. (laughs) He's just like, just got to keep going. I always Got to keep going. Well, a lot of people were pointing out like, God, they felt sorry for the Sharks' social media team yesterday because, I mean, what you have to update the score. But it just after it got to five, and they were up five nothing one minute into the second period. So I was like, ooh, this could get really out of They hand. just started responding to all like the tweets that were going around. Yeah. The Sportsnet had one be like, let's check on how the sharks are doing. They would reply, let's not. Yeah, let's, please, don't. please don't. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> funny if their second, like their game recap tweet was just no. Yeah. There's I, no stats. Now the nice thing for the Sharks social media team is like they're not getting I imagine the Canucks social media team last season, it was worse for them because this is the plan yeah. for San Jose. There's no point in trying to gloss over what's happening. You were like they're succeeding right now. You were built to be bad. <laughs> Although I do again, I'll go back to my earlier statement. I do wonder if they stink too much. Like you can stink, but I don't know if you can stink this much. There's too much stink. It stinks. Uh Jamie the Armstrong contractor, what we learned when I picked four players from the Canucks in my league hockey pool, everybody laughed at me. I'm in first place. Who's laughing now? And it's definitely a hundred percent sustainable. There's no way that these guys will regress. You are going to win that pool, pool, Jamie. There will be some regression, right? Like Dave from East, Dave the Complainer from East Van. Oh, great. What we learned is the Canucks scored on shooter tutors disguised as NHL goalies last night. Uh, the team uh, shooting and save percentage is not sustainable. Major regression is coming. Some regression will come. But I think for me, the most important thing over the last few games and probably since the Philly game, is that their five-on-five play has been much better. Mm-hmm. We all know their power play can score. We all know that their uh, penalty kill may not be elite, but it's better than it was last year. And we all know they're getting good goaltending. So even if there is regression, I don't see it. I don't currently see it as being like a devastating regression. Well, like it was a few years ago. God, maybe seven years ago now. Remember when they won their first four games and it was like, this is not sustainable. And everyone was like, 
yeah, obviously it's not sustainable. And then they lost like nine in a row. Mm-hmm. I don't see it happening like that. But there will be some regression. There will be games where the puck's not going in for them. They don't get the saves. And more importantly, um, you know, fingers crossed that the Canucks have a relatively healthy season, but there will be injuries, and I'll be curious to see how they withstand those. So are you trying to tell me, Jason, that Brock Besser who is on pace for 66 goals and 107 points might not hit those totals. Yeah. Are you saying that? Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all a matter of uh, of how much regression is there going to be because there is going to be some. And where does that leave the Canucks once that regression comes Classic in? Classic house of negativity. Uh, here's what we learned. Hashtag WWL. Did I, unsigned, so it's from Gary. Gary wants to know, did I possibly learn that as good of a hockey player and leader as Bo Horvath was in Vancouver, he was not the right fit for this team to succeed? I have seen a lot of people bend over backwards to relitigate the entire Bo Horvat era as, oh, that was the problem. And, and, and my petty side kind of enjoys it. I'm not going to lie. I feel bad for Bo. Because I think he's going to be subjected to a lot of revisionist history that, quite frankly, isn't fair. But that's also the reality of what's going on right now. It's hard not to look at this and say, what's the one big change? What's the one dramatic change they had? Did they do anything in the leadership department? Did they do anything with the captaincy? It's not fair, but it's out there. Coach, Uh, I think, is a little more than captain. So you just gloss over that stuff. Yeah. putting Bo this pass like I don't think he was a very good captain that's not but what that's we're fine. saying though you can't put you said that when he was here <laughs> yeah I said it when he was here I was like <laughs> I don't feel inspired by repeatedly. Bo Horvat right and there was a culture problem then so it's one of those things that's like you can say let, let's 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 put it this way maybe you weren't to blame but you certainly weren't part of the solution. I think that there was a lot of blame to go around and very little of it should be put on the shoulders of Bo Horvat. Okay. Like maybe the guy that did the Oliver Ekman Larson trade. <laughs> maybe him. That was Bo though. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I heard it was his idea. Hey, texted it. Uh, Mike, the, Mike, the urologist from Brockville. Hey, you need a good scapegoat. Every society needs it to move on. And they're, uh, the, yeah, when they're, and they leave, it's really easy to pile on them because there's no <laughs> ramifications whatsoever. Uh, Mike, the urologist from Brockville, what we learned, watching Wemby light up a Durant-led Suns, I think will prove to be a defining and poignant passing of the torch moment. P.S. It is comical to see Wemby grab rebounds over Kevin Durant without even jumping. Yeah, I mean, if you're a hardcore NBA fan, what you saw last night was like a wow moment. Mm -hmm. For the casuals, and if you don't like basketball, and based on our text message in basket, that's a lot of you. Do me a favor and make a Wemby game and pick a good one. The Suns games are good because his hero growing up was Kevin Durant, so he wanted to show out against KD. Watch Wembenyama play. Make a point of doing it. Because it is jaw-dropping. Like, we had that conversation earlier where some people were asking, who's going to be the bigger impactful generational talent? Connor Bedard in the NHL or Wemby in the NBA? And I'm like, I love Bedard and I love that he's local, but it's not even close. Okay, do we have a winner of the KISS tickets? Yeah, we do. Uh, what we learned. I learned what sports happiness on my son's faces looks like. My boys are six and eight, and I've only known the Canucks to be a terrible team in their lifetime. Every morning now after a game, we throw on the highlights, and the smiles on their faces are amazing. The only thing that could match would be winning those kiss tickets and taking them to their first 
big concert kiss emoji Kevin in Richmond. I got a lot of going. respect for Kevin nice. in Richmond wanting to take his kids to a kiss concert. Yeah, that's an event. It'll be great. <laughs> They'll It'll see really some good. things. So <laughs> That's a love it, gun. It is a Friday, and we're all in good moods because of the Canucks and... Things are happening for Vancouver sports fans. Like the Lions and the Whitecaps have playoffs games at home this weekend. If the Seahawks, if you want to count the Seahawks, the Seahawks are doing well. Uh, and yet, these are our listeners. Wild Bill. What we learned, listening to the show for the first time in many months, in brackets, jailed again. <laughs> but happily learned the show is as good as ever, in brackets, again. Nice. Um, we're of a backstory there. And if you think <laughs> that bill's so wild, and if you think that says a lot about our listeners, here's one from Bort. Bort, hi Bort. My son what is we also learned? Named Bort. I learned to not pick my nose while driving because I've just hit a bump and jabbed my finger deeper into my nose, and now I have a nosebleed. Yeah, got to keep your finger out of there. He texted this. <laughs> sometimes, you- sometimes I'm like, oh, I got a pretty cool job, and like. You know, like I get to talk about sports for a living. And then I'm like, who are the people that spend their days listening to sports talk? It does make me wonder sometimes. And then Bort texts in and says, I have just created a nosebleed by driving around with my finger up my nose. And Wild Bill is like, I can listen to the show again because I'm not in jail. <laughs> And then Mike well, the Urologist. The best is in brackets. Jailed again. Jailed, jailed again. <laughs> said I wouldn't have so many nosebleeds if I kept my finger out of there. And then Mike the Urologist is like, I went to med school for this? Is this my I'm, life? You know, I'm beginning to think he might not be a urologist. Uh, Rob and Surrey, what we learned. What I've learned is that all those softies complaining about Tocket coming in have all of a sudden hardened up a little bit since October 11th. Tockett has to be the early favorite, and I stress that, early favorite as coach of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, I also want to, on this note, talking about toughness, uh, Mark Friedman, last night we haven't mentioned the abuse that Friedman took in that game. Um, his face just took an absolute beating yesterday. And Is he okay after the... He puck? came back. Yeah, I was surprised. He, he flo- okay, so he got hit in the face with a puck. I, can't, I think it was Granlund. And he and he shot the puck right into the side of Friedman's face. Yeah, and Friedman got off the ice so fast, and then threw his gloves down in frustration. I thought it was because he had suffered a serious injury, and then the guy's back out there minutes later, sitting on the bench. Uh, and he, you know, I was I, the replay did show that didn't cast catch him right in the mouth. I assumed he lost a bunch of chiclets, but he didn't. Point being, that is one tough dude. Uh, Rick Tockett probably loved it. And I can't believe it because Quadrelli threw this out there yesterday. This team cannot afford to lose Mark Friedman. (laughs) They need him. All right. Crazy sports weekend. Can't wait to get back on Monday and talk about it. We'll have talked about the Whitecaps playoff game, the Lions playoff game, the Canucks and the Dallas Stars on Saturday, the Seahawks, Ravens, and we'll be previewing the Canucks and Oilers on Monday night at Rogers Arena. As always, thank you all for texting and more importantly, thank you all for listening. But we got to go for now. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.